0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 425,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. Do you ever wonder about the phenomenon surrounding the Bermuda Triangle or what happened to Amelia Earhart? Are there extraterrestrials living among us? How about wormholes, black holes, Atlantis, Stonehenge, or the pyramids, how they were formed, and if they're really just tombs? We'll be talking about all this today in this, the fifth of our 12-part series, Channeled Messages from PAX. My guest is a co-author of the book, Do Unto Earth, Carol Serene Borgens. Carol is a longtime medium, channeler, horse whisperer, practitioner of many metaphysical disciplines, and the author of numerous PAX Channel books, which includes two children's whimsical volumes, two books on the reality of COVID-19, plus one stating personal power will end the pandemic. And the most current PAX Channel title is the environmentally focused book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late, which is the basis for this 12-part series. Carol continues to provide Pax Channel's private reading sessions remotely, and she can be reached at carol c a r o l e serene s e r e n e borgens b o r g e n s dot com. So write that down, keep it aside until after the show. Welcome back to Energy Awareness Radio, Carol. As always, I'm very excited to have you here. How are you being? Thank you, T. I'm delighted
2: to be back, and I have been wonderful um, (laughs) hiding away, uh, as I should, from um, being too close to people for COVID reasons and, you know, following the guidelines and feeling uh, that there's an upside and that we all can look to a positive um, end result of this. Um, lockdown that some people consider is a hardship, but it's going to it's going to end with us being able to resume our, our normal life again. And, uh, you know, we have good things to look forward to. Don't you agree?
1: I do. I think we do. I think we have a little bit of a ways to go because some people just aren't taking it as seriously as I'd like to see them take it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that Are hurt by those who are not wearing masks, who are not being compliant, who aren't adhering to the mandates. And and I'd like to see that. And I think a lot of people are, well, I got my vaccine, so now I can take my mask off. No, you really can't. You know, you can still be a carrier and you can still get it. And I will admit, I got my second shot and I got sick and it wasn't COVID, but it was bad. And if that's a prelude or a preview, rather, of what COVID is like, I want no part of it, and I don't want to be responsible for getting anybody into that situation. So I continue to wear a mask and, and go about my life the way that I have been for the past 15 months, which is
3: not really having a life,
1: <laughs> staying well, home <laughs> and staying away from people to try to take care as best I can. But it's good to know that it's going to stop. So that's a plus. Well, it is. I'm glad is, that, that but we, you know, we're
2: all in of that. And the problem with it, if I can use that word problem, is that we we mustn't relax too soon. Um, we are seeing yes. now that there are ramifications that come after this um, disease, which people are being told are called long-haul symptoms, long-haul, and Pax, you know, in a recent... Oh, two days ago, I guess, um, discussion I had with Pax about what's coming with COVID. We're being told that this is a result not of COVID, these long-haul symptoms, but rather of the vaccines themselves, and that they are going to be lifelong. He says to us, vulnerable people are reacting. And their symptoms will prove to be lifelong. And in Trupak's fashion he ends by saying, This is not a fair trade for vaccine protection. And I do have to agree with yeah, that. Yeah, now I
1: don't feel now I don't feel good anymore because I guess I was one of the vulnerable ones and I was thinking I was building all these antibodies and so many of them that I could probably sell them if I needed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> because because I was sick, and I don't really want that to be a lifelong thing. It was awful. It was God-awful. I, I got sick two weeks after the first shot, and I didn't attribute it to it, though I did ask my husband, I said, do you think this might be something to do with the shot? And he said, no, I don't think so, because he had slight nausea. I had nausea. I had other things going on. And then to two weeks later get the second shot, which would have been a month from the first shot, as we are told to do, And get the same symptoms, only worse. I mean, my arm was black and blue, tingling down my arm, and this was simply because of the way the nurse administered the shot. He was brutal. No one has black and blue arm from a shot. You don't have a bloody Band-Aid after a shot. That's not normal, and I've never experienced that before. So it it wasn't fun, but that, I think, was more to do with the administration of the the inoculation rather than how, you know, the result of it. So so I'm not real happy about that news, that this is going to be lifelong. I'm just going to say... Okay, maybe for some, but I'm not, I'm not taking that. I'm, I'm pushing that out the door. Exactly.
2: So that's not going to be the what, way it
1: is for me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, of course, what he's referring to here, uh, let me clarify, is people who have been ill with the disease um, and, as a matter of fact, been extremely ill with the disease. This is something that's being attributed um, and, again, what do we know about the vaccines? They differ from one another. Uh, PAX has just said to us that there will be other vaccines developed that are currently in testing, so there will be options available. Um, I asked, are they better than what's currently available? Uh, we're told that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, each person is different, and their sensitivities exist and are different from one another so how how do you determine what's right for you uh is the question that pax has asked and uh you know it's a tough one he's advising each person to follow their heart about how they feel after they've done research and uh, looked into what they're considering putting into their body uh, and that they'll have an unknowingness, a feeling of, is, is this what they want for them? Is this the right thing for them? So each person has a choice.
1: Yeah. Well, we know we have a choice, it's just, it's hard to, you know, I mean, like, I, I went with mRNA technology because it's been used in cancer patients, and I've seen this. Some of my patients have cancer, and I've seen it, and the science is behind it. It's worked for that. It, it goes after one type of of disease, Um, in one area even if you have two cancer patients who are the same the protocol might be the same but the result may be different in the way that they they create the, the these medicines mra technology medicine that they're giving to these people specifically for what is happening with their version of the type of cancer that they have and I look at that and I think, you know what, back in, I think it was 2009, I had a really bad flu, really, really, really bad flu. It was horrible. My husband was on a business trip or something, and he came home, walked in the door, and I said, you have to go get Theraflu now. I mean, I could not. It was horrible. It was July, and I was on my deck fully clothed with a a winter parka on and blankets and we were in the midst of a heat wave it was like the you know five or seven days of over 95 degree weather and it was crazy it was crazy and I was sweating and I had chills and I had you know bad fever and everything and that was when SARS was around and I have to wonder did I have SARS and was my reaction two weeks after the first shot Like, oh, we're noticing this in your body. You've had SARS, and it was building upon that. So I'm looking at it as a positive for me because that's the way I want it to be. And I think sometimes, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to rephrase that. I think that we can teach our brain. I know we can teach our brain how to heal our bodies. And if we need a little bit of medicinal help, we can get it. And it's a matter of how you think and what you do in the way that you think. That will allow that that vaccine to either work or not work. That's why there's the placebo effect. The placebo effect works because people believe they're getting something and therefore it works. That's proof right there that your brain knows what to do and you can convince your body to do it. So, you know, uh, there's something to that too. I did all the research. I knew I didn't want J&J. Initially I did because it was one and done, but then I didn't want it. Then I was glad I didn't get it. And, there's really not been any huge ramifications of these yet, but I'm also looking at it like, no, I'm protected. So now I feel protected. And again, not that I'm going to be whipping off my mask and go partying everywhere. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to protect ourselves and to protect other people too. You know, and make sure that everybody stays healthy. So you know, I think you know,
2: that's I fully agree with what how I'm everything, everything you say. And also, would like to relate that a long time ago when I was doing some channeling with PAX. He said, the mind, oh, sorry, he said, the body hears everything the mind says. So, Mm -hmm. when we're telling our body that we are going to heal, we will heal ourselves, we set that in motion. Exactly what you said.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, our brain is the greatest super organic computer on the planet. We're never going to be able to replicate it. We can make things that do things, but our brain knows what to do. And when you know you go to sleep and people say sleep on it, you'll feel better in the morning. You might come up with an idea. That's really telling yourself when you go to sleep with an issue saying, okay, Google in your brain go out and figure this out and you wake up in the morning you have an idea that's really what it is you know it's like there's a whole internet out there before the internet so there's that yeah. um i know there are listeners who are anxious to learn more about the mysteries of life and the messages that you channeled or mysteries of the earth and the messages that you channeled from Pack. so I want to start if we can, with the one that people ask about the most, the one that i 've gotten questions on from people who wrote in early questions to this show extraterrestrials. There are so many conspiracy theories surrounding that topic, and I believe I believe we 're not alone it wouldn't surprise me in the least if someone confirmed there are indeed aliens living among us and i'd swear I, I think i'd swear I would say I know some, but I'd prefer not to be rude <laughs> to our alien friends. So I'm sure their mothers brought them up better than the humans I wonder about. So, so what does Pax say about that? Are they visiting or do they live among us, These our friendly you know, alien friends? The answer to that,
2: T, is both. Pax has talked at great lengths in the Do and Tours book about our, as he calls them, ancient alien ancestors. We have been, according to Pax, star-seeded on planet Earth. We have been placed here um, millennia ago to populate this planet in what they called the uh, Planet Earth Project. Uh, This beautiful blue sphere um, circulated circling up there in the heavens, Um, and the the situation today is that we do, in fact, have them living among us. They are um, called by many names. They have been called uh, Crystal Children and uh, Star Seeds and the New Orions is a term that PAX uses. They are here to lead, to show us the way to planetary repair and the repair of our humanity. Max talks to us about the fact that we truly have made a mess of our civilization and our planet in terms of ecology and that the oh, yeah. proliferation of craft of spacecraft of um, an identified spacecraft that are seen around our globe they're coming they check on us they're coming to have a look and see how we're doing but quite a long time ago in in a writing pack said no they they see what you're doing they see there's nothing here right now that they want and so they don't stop he he referred to them as buzzing by to see how you're doing. And they are rather discouraged that we have succumbed to greed and political pressures where we should really be more concerned with the wellness of planet Earth and her people. But they are... Referred to by PAX as I said, our ancient alien ancestors. Um, they put us here. Uh, their intention is for us to flourish. They want us to succeed and flourish and keep this planet healthy. And we're not. So I think more and more we are experiencing those star seeds that are are in our civilization. We we see them we I see them as children, as youth that are so incredibly far ahead of their time, in their knowledge and their heart, as it applies to doing the right thing uh, for mankind and our earth. I think all your listeners can reflect and and recall that they've come across you know listening to a child. Somewhere speaking and thinking how do they know that or where, where do they come from that they're so they have such a social conscience at such an early age. So that is um, that is the truth and we're going to be looking upon them to lead us out of this mess that we have created for ourselves here.
1: So it's the children that are – because a lot of times the kids that are being born right now, you know, you see the babies, and after, like, three months old, they look like – this is going to sound really weird – but they look like people. They don't look like babies anymore. They look like miniature-grown people. It's like the baby faces go away. And you can see that there's a certain level of intelligence in them. And I, I always say they're just coming in way more advanced. They're just coming in way more advanced right now. They know a whole lot more than we ever did when we were born. by the time they're five years old, it's like they're 25 years old, some of them. So I see that frequently in just the way they're maturing faster. So are Absolutely.
2: they hearing that
1: – sorry, go ahead. They're here now as being born, but they have been being born. I'd say I've been thinking this probably the past 20 years. So some of them are at a point where they're into adulthood at this point and are able to do things. So are these the the children of the future that will be able to, even the 20-year-olds, that will be able to help us in, like one gentleman had a question, uh, can you help us in our search for a cure for diseases? Will they be able to help with that? Is that their purpose? Is that one of their purposes, to help with diseases or renewable energy, anything like that? Is that what they're here to help us with, those types of things?
2: I, I believe so, and your comment is such a good one. I've never heard anyone say um, Previously, about babies looking mature, I think what you're seeing is they are old souls. And it's yeah. the old soul that comes in again with an intention to help us to heal. And they have that maturity. They have that incredible depth of wisdom that when you look into the eyes of a baby and sometimes Kind of get the chills because you could see those eyes are not baby eyes. Uh, there's depth and wisdom, and it's a little spooky. That's you're looking at an old yeah. soul there, and indeed they have right. made a a contract to come back to uh, do whatever is in their contract with the universe, and whether it be to be the next uh, physicist or. Um, scientists involved with medicine and healing and whatever their choice is, that's their purpose and they need to be listened to. They need to be respected and watched because they're the ones that are going to be making the difference. Certainly um, our science and medicine has made wonderful strides, but uh, the speed at which we are going to Increase our strides in medicine in science in astrophysics is intensifying it's um, spinning faster as is our earth and so yes to to your gentleman listener, and watch the speed at which it begins to happen it'll be impressive.
1: And these, there are so many children I look at that are like this. I mean, so many, it's like, it's almost like it's all of them, but they're not extraterrestrials. I mean, okay. We're all star starseeded. So if we go back far enough, yeah, just old souls. Okay. So it's not like the extra extraterrestrials are helping us with this. It's the old souls coming back saying this planet needs help. And so there's something that we need to do there. Um, Okay, so there is a conspiracy theory that's been out there that I thought was quite significant, that there was a significant Nazi base hidden in Antarctica and that some Nazis held out there for years after the war. And the most extreme theories claim that the Nazis encountered alien life or, at the very least, alien technology. So does PAX have any insight to offer on that?
2: Oh, that's a fascinating um, question. And PAX has, PAX has shared with us repeatedly that there are hidden alien bases, whether they're currently in use or no longer, but they remain, such as in, under the Bermuda Triangle. And that, yes, in fact, they were placed there for varying reasons, uh, such as for recharging of the space vehicles that, they used to get here, um, they can come and go without interacting with people, um, such as diving under the Bermuda Triangle. And by the way, there's a well-known one just off of Huntington Beach in California under the ocean there. But yes, the one in, hmm. in the Arctic, uh, the same purpose because it is so remote that they could use it for the purpose of charging, recharging their craft and leave it when they're not utilizing it, such as the Bermuda Triangle um, base is not in current use.
1: Same thing. Right, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because the activity has really slowed down in like the past 30, 40 years.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: It's no longer in use. But the the problem it creates with the magnetics, creating problems for marine traffic as well as air traffic, that remains. Um, but I think yes, I think mariners understand, you know, what what they need to be careful of there, with the Bermuda Triangle. And Pax has said that um, those who created the base to suit their needs of travel and visitation, uh, are watching it to remain, to ensure that it remains untouched, because they will use it again one day. Um, it, was, it was used throughout Earth history. That applies to, to the Arctic as well. It was used throughout our Earth history from time to time as uh, a recharging station, if you will. Uh, and was initiated there for their flight craft. Um, he also tells us that protection of these areas has been foremost in the minds of those watching over them, and this will not change. Um, so that when when the Nazis occupied it, I'm personally not aware if they changed anything or removed anything, but it was. They are being watched.
1: Okay. Now, given that the aliens travel here, I mean, logically, to me, that says they know a lot more than we do, and, you know, just because they can get here. So they could potentially defeat us in a war because they have much greater technology as far exceeds ours. And I say this not because they're violent, but because the powers that be on Earth would more than likely shoot first and ask questions later. I mean, we've seen this happen many times. It just seems to be the way things are, rather than welcoming them for their wisdom and knowledge. So it seems they could destroy us if they wanted to. I mean, after all, they made it here, and apparently they have been doing so for thousands of years. So we're still in the infancy of space travel, you know? So if they can help us, why not take that? There's much further along, as I said, in technology and in are they not in touch with people on this earth who are able to work with them peaceably or have some leaders or scientists been contacted but cannot or do not want to reveal the truth? Yes, you're absolutely right. They
2: could wipe us out in a nanosecond. However, they're, if we think back, they created this planet as a as an earth school, as a, as a project. And their interest is in our succeeding and surviving. And firstly, they'll be quick to tell us they function in love, and this is what they want mm-hmm. to share, is peace and wellness, love, inclusivity. These things we haven't gotten a hang of here very well on earth. And they know full well that it would be shoot first. I mean, just think back to Roswell, New Mexico in nineteen forty seven. Yeah. Uh, they the, our ancient alien ancestors are saddened is the word that Pax will use often by our inability to think that that they 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 the ancient aliens could come here in peace. Uh, We are so functioning in greed and power and control on this planet that we tend to not want to acknowledge that. And would that be a main reason why they don't want to stop here? They, as PAC said, buzz by to see how we're doing. They have stopped here Mm -hmm. and they have been shot down. And in fact, there have been uh, leaders of countries in past who believed in the fact that they exist, that they are traveling here, and that they come in peace. However, finite lifetimes have had those leaders leave us, leave the planet, and be replaced by others who are warring in nature. It's just very sad because... All of the answers to our questions, our problems, everything can be provided to us by them,
1: but they can't get close enough. So, um, and they, the don't, fear and they the, don't know, they don't seem to know, they don't seem to know who to access at this point, which is a shame because we do have the Dalai Lama, we do have the Pope, we have people in power who I would think they would be able to say, okay, you know, let's contact those people, they they must have the ability to know who they could contact, but there must not be anybody available right now that would be welcoming to them or believe or, or something. There's got to be some reason why they're not able to
3: contact. I
2: wouldn't be surprised if those conversations are going on. You know, I would put nothing past the Dalai Lama uh, in terms of yeah. his level of wisdom uh, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. However, I would not put him up against the U.S. government in terms of, you know, putting out the welcome wagon. I don't think he has that kind of power. Um, If we go back to Roswell and think that Pax has told us that day in 1947 that those alien spacecraft arrived at Roswell, it was not a surprise it was not an accident it was planned that they had come there and i find this so fascinating in an agreement with the u.s military to share technology it was the plan at that time to share their technology of their space travel vehicles to assist the u.s military however that did not work out at all well because uh, before landing, they brought out the guns and the craft that we know of that was shot down was, in fact, um, shot down. There are stories that there are eight alien craft in hangars in and around Roswell that were all shot down that day. Um Max has talked about the one. He has talked about eight that were arriving, one shot down, and the others vanished immediately. They they um, accelerated out of there.
1: But sure. Yeah, you see one got shot down, a- you're going to go, yeah.
2: That was an agreement. Um, now, we haven't talked about with whom um, our ET friends spoke, and made this agreement? Um, was it the politicians, or was it strictly the military? But the fact remains, they reneged on a promise. There was a, a, an agreement in place. The ETs were coming here to share technology for the, the betterment of our civilization and technology. And we acted in a despicable fashion and are not to Mm -hmm. be trusted ever since.
1: Well, and that makes sense. But we also have Area 51, so I have to wonder if there's communication still going on, you know, because nobody's allowed to go in Area 51, and that's a a real big deal uh, about, you know, everybody's always doing the whole alien thing about Area 51 and what happened,
3: and that's where the bodies
1: went, and that's where the ships went and stuff like that. So you have to wonder if there's really anything still going on with uh, communication. That's why I, I posed that question. I think not. You know? I
2: think that Area 51 involved itself with the reverse engineering of, of what they, the technology they, they did pick up after downing that spacecraft. And the, the high mm-hmm. level of secrecy, um, part of it, I think, would be that there is never to be an acknowledgement that they, in fact, acted in this. manner to to shoot down
1: reprehensible way yeah intended
2: to be a friendly
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i understand that you know leaders wouldn't want to put it out to the media because they don't think the world would be able to handle the news but i don't think people would freak out and and would be in as big a mess as they think i think that perhaps that was true back in the day but i really don't think there would be too many people on this planet who would be shocked or even surprised to learn aliens are either visiting or living among us. I just, I think most people kind of expect it at this point. I I think
2: so. And when you look through the history of that day in July in 1947, the ranch owner on whose property that craft came down telephoned, the the military base told them they came out and uh, started uh, picking up all the pieces and of course the media there's uh, the local newspaper got involved and they published a story the very next day front page headlines that an alien spaceship had been shot down and told the whole story of what was being picked up out in the desert and kind of blew that wide open. That lasted 24 hours because the newspaper front page headlines the following days said, oops, um, sorry, folks, it was just a weather balloon. And ever since then, Mm. it's been a weather balloon. So (laughs) the truth came out immediately, but then the military saw to it that the the newspaper retracted that story it became a weather balloon and there's theories and apparent truth that it, the actual wreckage pieces were you know squirreled away somewhere and replaced with what they put out in front of the media that were pieces of of balloon fabric material that they could say this is what it was really so uh you know we're not long after the close of world war 2 when this happened mm-hmm. and perhaps the the mindset of people was quite different then and the fear level was higher um wondering who's going to invade next you know who who the country's going to go to war with next so maybe right. maybe i i can do, i can understand a little bit that some people were trying to protect um the u s population from that kind of fear, but the duplicity you know it it's still going on today um although right. so much of that material is declassified now uh so it it's um it it's a paradise for for researchers now who can get their hands on on the uh, on the
1: writings from those days the writings that they're letting us see. <laughs> well that's it. I don't believe they're putting it all out, you know. I, yeah. What they're putting out is like, okay, this is safe, this is safe, this is safe. Nope, leave that one here, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't implicate What them about
1: Exactly, yeah, because it's only been 70 years, you know, so they're like, who's oh, <laughs> still alive, that can get in trouble, we don't want you know, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it's interesting, the other day I was watching a thing on TV, and it was about how the earth is covered in what some believe was a form of communication, the petroglyphs, and I've always found those fascinating. And, you know, you can't see those petroglyphs unless you're high above them. So it's almost a safe bet to say it wasn't ancient people creating this art on the ground or drawing graffiti because it's too perfect to see from above that you have this huge phoenix or these huge areas of design that are purposely done in a, in a specific way. So are the petroglyphs the way in which aliens communicated to each other or are they messages left for a future time, which of course would be now our time, to help us in some way?
2: Well, I think that uh, what you're describing is the tip of the iceberg, the petroglyphs, um, the Nazca lines uh, across the Mm -hmm. desert floor that can only be seen from the air. Of course, it, it would have been forms of communication, wouldn't it, of those early peoples. But if you extend that, think about the monuments, think about the carvings all over the globe whether it be Easter Island or things that are being uncovered now that are deep within the uh, jungle rainforests, that Mm -hmm. carvings that are monuments all over the world from early peoples. There is one or more similarities, and the big one is the carvings in stone of their gods, it would seem, Those that they revered and worshipped have a similarity, each and every one of them, all around the globe. And that is when you look at them, they all appear to be wearing winged helmets. They're wearing like it would be called a headdress, perhaps, or a Mm -hmm. helmet type of thing with wings and with something over almost like a face shield, a lot of them. When you look at all of those from around the globe, from those ancient times, what do they have in a similarity with today? If you put beside them a picture of a current-day astronaut with his space suit and his helmet with his face shield over it, there is an eerie Similarity to each and every one of those past civilizations, depictions of their gods.
1: Right, and that's, I mean, our people could have drawn those and put them on walls and stones and things like that, but the great big ones that people didn't discover, and they're still discovering them now, until they flew over them. So that's, we had to have planes to do that. And now well, they can think- send drones into areas where they're you know they can't get planes and they're seeing and discovering these these massive pictures and i i wonder if that's artwork that the aliens were doing or is it was it a form of communication to each other so the next ship coming or was it something left behind for us to learn from
2: there was a combination there i'm just checking in with pax on this because we don't have yep. that answer, um, ground communication pax is, is telling us was something because while our ancient aliens are not landing to visit us today, they were then they did back in those early early times, and it was a form of communication uh also a a marker. A marker on the ground that this was—do I want to say like friendly territory, an invitation mm-hmm. to land, kind of land here?
1: Yep. Because some of them do look like landing strips.
2: Yes, the Nazca lines do. Yeah. It w- it was yeah. um, a land here. Uh, w- you know, here we are, the friendlies, um, and that they were they the the ancient alien visitors, were coming to Earth at that time, again, just to impart uh, wisdom, um, give help. I mean, it was from their teachings, wasn't it, that the people of the time were able to do things like build pyramids, um, build Stonehenge, move those blocks. Those were not done with, with ropes and slaves and rollers. They were done with with um, thought processes where you can, you know, dematerialize, (laughs) just like in Star Wars, you know, dematerialize Mm -hmm. and reappear in another location. Uh, these, These abilities were shared with our Earth people at those early times. And, you know, given the opportunity, our alien visitors would do the same today, but they're just not given the opportunity.
1: It's a shame we lost it all. If we had it at one point, you know, because we don't know we don't know what that technology is, or things would certainly be built a lot faster, and and it, it, things would be totally different if we had that type of technology. So it's a shame that that got lost somewhere along the line of evolution from you know, thousands of to, years ago to now.
2: In addition to the technology difference, we'd be functioning in peace on this planet.
1: Think of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Now I do have a question from someone, so I'm going to preface this first because they're asking a question about uh, what the most efficient and expeditious way to travel between the planets is, and probably more like the universe is how you know. In other words, how did the aliens get here? And I'm going to say wormholes and black holes because we know they exist. And and if memory serves me, and it, and let me preface this by saying, and it probably doesn't, but if memory <laughs> serves me. <laughs> A a black hole is a star that reached the end of its life, and then it begins to implode, so it collapses in on itself, and that's what forms a black hole. That's how a black hole is created, and it has really high gravity, so nothing can pass through it. Then we have the wormhole, and that's more like a funnel or a tunnel-like structure that could create shortcuts through space if it connected two points in different universes And some say it could be black hole to black hole, but how can that be when we know the gravity is so high, nothing can pass through it. So are the aliens using, you know, uh, a tunnel like we use the Lincoln or Holland tunnel to go from New Jersey to New York? Is that the road that they use to get to the Milky Way and then back to their universe is through a wormhole and you know, you put black holes on either end of it, it's too high intensity in gravity. Now, they made the technology to do that, but but we don't. So I'm going to pull that out just for the sake of saying, okay, it can't be a black hole, or can it? And if it's not, what's the purpose of a black hole, and what are they using to get here? How do they get here? Well, Pax has
2: been telling me that the purpose for a black hole is a repository for space junk right now. Um, and other um, things that are floating around. He says that um, um, it is to be understood that the black hole is a repository for what will appear elsewhere in time, uh, what, where it goes is where it will go, and that is to be. In other words, he's just not not saying at the moment. But he does okay. say, no more shall we share at this time other than to divulge that what is in the black hole comes out to form building blocks for future civilizations on future colonies. All is good. That's, that's okay. I don't understand that.
1: Well, it's kind of like a depository or, like you said, a repository or a library where this is where things are stored and when it's needed they'll come and get it or it will be released.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, but I didn't address the other part of the question. How how they travel, you know, we see that they travel in spaceships, let's call them spaceships. Yep. But we also know from from what we're told that they travel through a process of thought that it's thought transference Uh, so instantaneously I don't want to be in my office chair right now I want to be on the beach somewhere and I would think that and blink and be on the beach somewhere we can't do that yet uh, but they I dream of Jeannie can (laughs) she can absolutely she can Fold her arms and, and, nod, and her nod her head. Not her head and
1: she's there.
2: <laughs> and so here we have these uh, alien visitors in their ships with no liquid fuel source to sustain them throughout their travels um, because they're not needed. Uh, it's a container. It's a vessel for them uh, to be inside of while they thought propel themselves throughout the universe. How about that for a, okay. something to strive for? Insta- yeah,
1: instant. Yeah, instant manifestation of, of your deepest desires. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. Nothing thinking absolutely about, possible.
2: <laughs> well, thinking about beam me up, Scotty. Scotty. Yep, yep. Beam me up, that's Scotty. That's what I was thinking. We just dematerialize here and rematerialize. Elsewhere,
1: elsewhere controlled. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So if black holes are repositories, libraries, or a deposit place where things will be revealed in the future because we're not ready yet, or it's not time, or we're not that far evolved, whatever, it's just not the timing. I get that. Okay. It's like a safe. What about yeah. wormholes? Because wormholes aren't a hole; they're a tunnel. They're like a funnel. And do they connect universes so it's like folding time and space so yes. that you could get to one disparate point to another? Okay. In a different yes, universe. Just, okay. Just like,
2: just like where Amelia Earhart went. She had an opportunity. Okay. We know that she was an incredible woman, an incredible adventurer, and she really had no fear. And as she was on her flight, we're told that she encountered um, what seemed like a vortex she She knew it was in fact a vortex, and it's just like you do not, if you're wise, fly into certain cloud formations you probably should not fly into a vortex either. But she, right. being an adventurer, decided to do so. And what she actually found herself in was a wrinkle in time, a time folding, mm-hmm. and taking her and her navigator and her aircraft into a, another dimension. She flew into the vortex, and that took her safely, into another dimension, um, a parallel universe. Where she
1: opted to, to stay.
2: Which yeah, she,
3: and opted she opted to, to stay, stay there.
1: Because mm-hmm.
2: it offered her an opportunity um, to fly high, fly free, and we're told, Pax said, she felt the calling to higher adventure spiritually. And while she was flying high and in her mind touching the face of God, she became exhilarated by the feeling of closeness to the universe when she came near to that vortex. And in some way she knew that there was an opportunity to further explore the unknown. And when presented with it, she continued on into it. And Pax says, the universe provides what the soul Craves, which I think is wonderful because she craved the adventure Uh, she was up for it and I like to think that she's uh, still out there somewhere flying freely her plane was never found there was never a wreckage found there never was any that the aircraft went down anywhere and that was not through lack of searching um, over the years She disappeared, you know, in the vicinity of the Bermuda Triangle um, back in 1937, and there's been a lot of speculation about that. People want to know if she crashed, um, but there's never been proof. Whatever happened to her, they just never were heard from again. So um, here's our explanation. She flew into a vortex. Well,
1: and there are other... Other ships and, and airplanes also in the Bermuda Triangle didn't, weren't found, no, no kind of residue from anything, no debris. So that might have been a, same, a similar situation where they went into a vortex and opted to stay because I, I remember reading somewhere that there was an account of somebody who, who said they just wanted to come back. They didn't want to go, and boom, they were back. They were back, and it was another oh. beautiful day flying in the skies. And oh. I thought that was crazy. So that to me kind of kind of told me, well then there must be a choice. Like you must at a soul level you probably don't even have to say it. You just make the choice in your head or in your heart that I like this, I wanna stay and you're there versus I think it's similar to when people have near death experiences and they're like, Oh, I you know, I I I want to stay here and and other people say, well, you can, but you know, you could go back if you wanted to. And then there are times where they say, no, you can't stay here. You have to go back. You have other things to do. I think sometimes you're given options. You know, a lot of people have near death experiences that aren't a near death experiences, but you think, Oh my God, how do they survive that one, two, three or four times. And it may be because they're given an option and that option is at a soul level. And they're like, no, I want to go back. And then they get to go back to do more. So it seems like that might be what happened with other ships and airplanes in that area yeah. as well.
2: I think so too. Yeah. That, you know, f- yeah. for the purposes of of a lot of them, I think it was an improvement maybe. Um, I mean, who's to yeah. say what, yeah. what's waiting there, um, but wouldn't we like to know? And the adventure for those, you know, people who go to sea and people who fly, they're adventurers,
1: so yes. Um, what an opportunity. They're going to take the next adventure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. that adventurous. That's okay. No, yeah, uh, terra firma works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, terra firma works for me. Oh, my goodness. We do have an interesting question from uh, uh, someone who wrote in, and they asked, "Do extra ter- does extraterrestrial intelligence have the same concept of time as we do? An example being, you know, measured based on planetary rotation. No,
2: not at all. There is no linear time uh, involved. It's uh, it's just non-existent. There is uh, space and space-time and there's Earth linear time where we're bound by a light and dark and 24-hour clock, and that's how we measure things. Um if you've read any of the PACS writings, it's clear that there is no uh, predicting things in terms of time because um, spirit has no linear time with which to measure anything. And so our you can imagine, just give, give a thought for a moment to, to the extraterrestrials and how they transport themselves. There is just a momentary thought and bang, they're, they're somewhere else which would, you know, mm-hmm. if we consider Earth time, might might take us, you know, four days to get there. Um, they right. do it in in a fleeting thought. There just is no constriction of time whatsoever.
1: It's like email versus U.S. postal mail. You can send an huh. email across. I could send one across the country to you, and you'd have it in a second. If I sent it via U.S. post, you'd have it in three days. Well,
2: there you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I'm yes, just
2: trying to it, give an analogy. <laughs> there is, yeah. Well, it works. There is no no time <laughs> um, constraints. There's no even we don't even discuss time in all of the channeling I've I've done over 25 years. There there is no time alluded to um, uh, unless you're on this Earth plane where we are constricted. Good right. question though.
1: Okay. One, uh, yeah, it was a very good question. I want—I'd like to go back to the pyramids for just a second. So we know that they were built by thought process and not what we see in, you know, um, the Ten Commandments that Hollywood depicted. Are they just tombs for pharaohs, or is there something more to it than that?
2: It was a—they were a place of worship, but they were also to—they—they um, they were. I want to say astrologically um, motivated as well. They were aligned. The mathematics, the earth's math, the mathematics, the way they're aligned um, and match other um, like monuments around the globe, um, bring them into an alignment with um, the ETs, with the extraterrestrials and with celestial uh, navigation, celestial worship, uh, the stars alignment, they're all connected. And we continue to learn about that today as more and more research is done on uh, places that are being unearthed in uh, the Earth jungles, for example, that they're compared with pyramids um, and monuments around the world and find that, you know, if you follow... The latitudes and and longitudinal lines they're they're all, they're connected.
1: So even like Stonehenge, which is you know those that's a megalithic monument it's a very yes. cool tourist attraction, but it too is yeah okay. So it falls under the same category as the pyramids. Yeah. They're all and that, it, it is yeah, an and ancient that's alien thing.
2: There are days and times of the year when the sun pokes through specific stones. There rises at certain angles and. Yeah, how did they know that? You know, how did the earliest of early people know about Earth math and aligning celestially? This information came from their friendlies, their friendly um, yep. alien ancestors. It's, this was all given to uh, even to our early um, civilizations. Good heavens, you know the the incredible level of knowledge of physics astrophysics during those early times it it makes no sense if you think it was learned in an earth school it was not it it came it came as a gift from our interstellar uh, visitors trying to trying to show us a way to make progress in our world give us the easy ways now uh, i bol-
1: I think, you know, if if one believes in Atlantis, and I do, I think that was a population that or a civilization that really did themselves in, um, which we're on the way to doing, it feels like. It feels like, oh, my gosh, are we going to end up being like Atlantis, which a lot of people wonder about. Where was it? Why did it fall? And were there others like it that existed? And are we like Atlantis? We're we're going down a, a not great road. You know, we're destroying ourselves, which is what Atlantis did.
2: It did, as a matter of fact. There, there's a place in the Do Unto Earth book where Pax links it to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, not totally directly, mm-hmm. but he does make a reference. Um, yeah. these lost civilizations uh, really are of. Of great interest Atlantis and Lemuria he says that much like Sodom and Gomorrah there are times when what has gone wrong and he's referring to Atlantis here has gone so wrong that the end result is annihilation and this was a case of self-destruction exactly what you said these civilizations had much in common and much to offer, and they also had the choice between good and evil. It was the case, he said, that the planet at those times also underwent a great change from within, and that resulted in a climate change-type cataclysmic event, not fully understood. But he said, suffice it to say, it was a result of the energy emanating from within. So, yes, self-destroyed, self-destructive. He tells us there have been cataclysmic earth shakings that resulted in the breaking away of pieces of coastal areas, and those are hard to identify. But um, he said it's a case that perusing the ocean's floor turns up much, but not this. And that's truth. Atlantis wow. hasn't been found. Hasn't been no, found, has it? No,
1: Edgar Cayce, no, Edgar Cayce lent some uh, information regarding it, and people have researched and researched and researched it, and they keep saying, oh, we think we found Atlantis, and, and then nobody has, so, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. He said this yeah. is not, yeah, yeah, not to be found. Yep. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, and he said that often that our... Past civilizations are found beneath the, the sand and the soil of our, our planet, um, and there has been a lot of diminishment of past civilizations, and some, some can be found, but others are to remain a mystery such as this.
1: I have to wonder if that's because they had so much intelligence and they were able to do so many things, and that is what destroyed them
2: interesting thought um it puts me in mind of the mm-hmm. mayan civilizations we're told that the mm-hmm. mayans the mayans reached a place where uh, they felt that no more could be done um by them in their place um pax said that they were advanced okay. in their ways and determined to not languish in the one place when it was felt their work there was done. And so it was that they departed as they had arrived, quietly and with intention. Mm. The mystery remains of yeah. where they went, how they departed, why right. they left. Yeah. They had all... I'm going to say
1: they used a beaming up Scotty method, you know? I'm thinking. And they just... Well... As yeah, Max and then they, they, they destroyed th- what was there so it wouldn't be found. And Pax said they we'll left with, with intention. That tells right, me exactly. i between the lines. Yeah, with me too. intention <laughs> is to beam
2: me up, Scotty.
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. Well, if they, they did that, then they they just were we're out of here. You know. Oh my goodness, we're past the top of the hour. I took a couple of extra minutes. I hope that's okay with you, Carol. I do have one final question, though. We talked about COVID at the beginning of show so you've delivered that message to our listeners for this month but i wanted to to ask this because i find it troubling there are a lot of commercials here on the east coast i don't know if you see them out in in the west coast of canada but here on the east coast there are a lot of question uh, a lot of commercials that we're trying to get people vaccinated so they tell you, you know go out and get your vaccination make sure you're prepared this time so that we'll be prepared for the next pandemic and that is such a not good thing to put out there, and yet it's part of a commercial. And it just feels like don't give people more fear at this time. There's enough going on and enough cool. problems coming with that fear. I mean, mental health in children has, has risen, risen significantly over COVID uh, in this country, you know, the 143 million children have mental health disorders pre-COVID. Now it's 18.9 million. That's an increase of 4.3 million or 4.6 million children. That's a lot. That's a lot of children. And we're talking age three to 18. So we're not even including adults in the mix. And we're seeing a lot of adults committing suicide, the violence, the hate crimes. It's all over the place. There's so much fear. If someone thinks there's going to be another pandemic and they don't want to go through this again, they could really, if they have a mental disorder, or even if they don't, just anxiety could take their own life, could hurt someone else. It's a horror show. And I don't like the commercial at all when I see it. But I, I wonder, you know, sometimes when things are being said, like thought processes, you can manifest things. And why do we want to bring another pandemic in? I would hate to see that happen again. Is there a likelihood? Probably, but what does Pax have to say about another pandemic? And the it took a a century to get from the global pandemic of 1918 to the global pandemic of 2020. So, are we looking at 100 years? Are we looking at five years? Are we looking at you know two years? Is there any input he has to say about that at all? I have not
2: heard that commercial. I would strongly disagree with its use. I think yeah. that it's priming people um, to yep. to behave, but it is just the wrong way. I think of of so doing. Uh, pandemics come and they go throughout Earth history. Pax has reminded us of that fact. This one is manifesting itself. In so um, many and varied ways now, within people, um, and it's not over. It's going to show itself again, you know, in another variant, or even more than one variant. Pax has talked about the fact that there is um, there is hope for people. In this one, he wishes people to understand that they can do a great deal with their own power of mind and intention, um, also understanding that they need to be cautious and you know follow follow the guidelines wisely. But in terms of other pandemics, you know certainly not in the lifetime. Of people who are presently on earth but he has said yeah it's it's a pattern Uh, as Mm -hmm. the world turns it's a pattern on planet earth that every century or so uh, there is something this one was created however this was no accident and it could have been avoided Um, but it wasn't and
3: yeah that
2: alone is is reason enough to think that there's more hope for future without pandemics because uh, this one didn't come by itself um, However, the big picture is world history has shown that terrible viruses like flus come and they go, and it's cyclical cyclical so they go in cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. um, y- wisdom of each person prevails, and as we look to our future and look to how we conduct our, our lives uh, in terms of our own physical and mental health, Pax um, I, I would like to say prevention is key. Uh, you know, to take that yep. a step further, we, you know, we're not told how we go about doing that. At this point, right but I think when PAC says prevention is key, it means so many ways of of living that are you know this this is a really deep subject because it leads to things like bringing bringing peace and prosperity to humanity so that people aren't living in crowded conditions in poverty where Diseases run rampant, that sort of thing. We have to elevate humanity. And that's the intention of PACS in our writings, is to show the way to respect for all people and ability to um, meet others in peace and bring uh, good health and wellness uh, across our planet in all the ways we can possibly do so. Uh, And and prevention is key, again, for each of us to think about how we do that, what we can contribute to our uh, humanity right now that lifts people out of poverty and removes people from uh, racial injustice, for example. All of these things are components. They're pieces of the puzzle. It's not just physical unwellness. All of this psychological unwellness that runs rampant in our civilization needing to be addressed, it's all a part of it. So thank you for that question. I
1: think, too, well, yes, and I think, too, of course, I think, too, that as we spoke earlier, the aliens came here in peace to give us, to share wisdom and knowledge. I'm sure they wanted to give us some kind of a moral or ethical system that that would bring about you know, peace among people and the way that we treat people and kindness matters and more compassion and sympathy and empathy and all of that. And that was probably part of the plan and and we messed it up.
2: It was part of the plan. And again, T, it all comes, as you know, down to one word, love. If we functioned Mm -hmm. in love, if we looked at our brothers and sisters in love, which translates to empathy and compassion, kindness. There could not be warring and injustices from one to another. There could not be the harm we do to each other. There couldn't be the corporate greed. There could only be thoughts of how to make things better for each other. Uh, Until we get to that lowest common denominator of treating each other with love and respect, we're going to be flailing around looking for answers.
1: Yep, it's all about, and I say this every week practically, and it's gotten, I've said it more and more over the years, once, twice, or three times during a show. (laughs) It's all about coming from your heart. If you're living from your heart, there's only two emotions, love and fear. That's it. There are no other emotions. Every other emotion that is positive falls under love. Every other emotion that falls under fear, a negative emotion, it falls under fear, but they're all based in either love or fear. If you're coming from fear, it's not going to work. If you're coming from love, if you're truly, truly coming from love, things are going to be good. Things are going to be easy. Things will flow, and everybody would get along. But there's so much fear, which includes anger and judgment and bullying and, you know, i got to do better and greed and all of those horrible things. You know, that's what you're going to have coming back to you. But if you come from love, if you come from that space of, okay, I can see that this person is struggling, I can see that, you know, they're on a different path than I'm on, doesn't make you better than them. It just makes you their teacher at the same time that they are teaching you, look at me, give me compassion. Because in every situation we're the student and the teacher, and therefore we're sharing back and forth to each other, and many times the person who goes in as the teacher doesn't see that they are also the student it's too bad that people can't see that, that you're, you're learning and you're giving and they're giving and learning too, because there's always a lesson to be learned in every interaction. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with everything that you're saying about that. And, and hopefully one day we'll get there where it's just, it boils down to just, we're made from love. We come from love. Our source is love. We need to be love. We just need to walk around and just be love. Just be love. Just be it. Just do it. But, You know, that's another talk show. So, anyway.
2: (laughs) Yep, and just like Pat wants to tell us all the time, be the light. And as as long as we can be the light, we're functioning in love. And that, my friends, is the answer.
1: That's right. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so very much for joining us again, Carol. Really love having you on. And, I, you know, I know you're going to be back soon. So if you want to give any final thoughts before I do the outro, feel free. Now's your chance.
2: <laughs> Thank you to all the listeners. Um, be strong. Be yourself. Always know that you have the power. Pax always wants to speak to us about reclaiming our power if we've given it away to anybody. Um understanding that with our intention, we can make anything happen in our lives. And be kind and remember that you can be the light. You can be the
1: change you want to see. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Before we go, I also would like to encourage everyone to go to Pax, P-A-X dot to learn more about Pax and his messages. There's so much there that you can learn from the books that are available through the site and you'll find links to both authors websites. So, and remember, Carol offers personal readings as well. So look into that. The readings are directly channeled from Pax. So you're getting information from source, which is always very cool. I, you know, I, I, again, Carol, I just can't thank you enough for joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. It's been a pleasure as always. And we know that you are going to be back on Wednesday, June 9th for the part six in this series, but Carol will also be back in two weeks, May 26th, to discuss another of our channeled Books with Pax, Personal Power Will End the Pandemic, A Call to Action. So get those in your calendar now so you won't forget uh, let's see, is there anything else? And then we'll also do another show, the show, as I said, on June 9th, but Carol will be back for her two children's books as well at a future date. So that's really interesting and it will be fun. So listeners, it will, you know yeah. what I'm going to say next, it will, you know what I'm going to say next. We need to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on the radio here. So please share it with your friends and send this link to everyone, you know, so that they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. Please do that. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy session, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. Every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. But we're really excited right now because we're working on a new initiative. So please be sure to go to SojiHuggles.org. The full announcement will be this Saturday, May 15th, and you'll be able to read all about what we're doing to help kids in a different way and really help a lot of children. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website. Please also follow us on Twitter at Radio and at Soji Huggles. And while you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, I am your host here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Please stay healthy and safe, compliant, and do what your mandates are in your area. And remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
3: I got a roof over my head. I, I got a
0: When I remember how Not right. right.